0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, that that we could say, Blessed be your name in the hard times. for us to be able to even speak those words when things are taken away. It's easy to cry out how blessed we are when things go well. It's easy to see your hand of provision when we're on the mountaintop. Much harder to see your hands in the mud, in the mire, in the swamp. When life is going backwards or upside down. Challenges, can we, will we speak the words, blessed be your name. When there's pain in the offering, when we've given all we have, when there's no way out, can we get there? Can we see the provision of God in the midst of that? Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes to what the Jews of the day were dealing with. The dark, the hard, It's kind of silly for us to even whine about this time of day and the way we live. We have no excuses. So Lord, help us to empathize with those who are really struggling today. Help us to understand that your hand is still at work with our minor problems as we compare them to others. Help us to understand your hand in our life. And Lord, may we not just understand, but be driven, be moved, be pushed to serve you even more faithfully, even more committed. Understanding that our time is short. May we not show up to church to check a box or to feel good about ourselves, but rather to reflect on what has been given to us, the opportunities put in front of us, and the responsibility as a believer in Christ. When you give or take away, blessed be your name. In your name we pray. Amen. We're in chapter 4 of Esther. I hope you had a chance to read it. Did you get a chance to read it this week? Someone said to me, hey, I read chapter 4 and it was so good I had to read chapter 5. And then I had to... good. That's a good! That's a good problem, right? I want to encourage you. It, it, reads, like, it reads like a story, a book. Uh, but I want you to be looking for God's provision, right? We want to be looking for where God's working. I remind you that uh, the word uh, God's name is not spoken in this whole book. And yet we see God's hand uh, providing a way for his people. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, do you remember what was done? There was, a, there was a, an edict made, right? We're going to take out all the Jews, and there was a lot of money on the line. And Mordecai heard all that had been done. He tore his clothes and put on his sackcloth and ashes, and he went into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth that was allowed to enter it. And on every pro- in every providence to which the edict came, an order of the king came, there was a great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And when he- Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to, put on, for, to put, him on, put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend to her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went to, out to Mordecai in the open square in the city in front of, all the, of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay Into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told her to instruct her to go into the king's presence, to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said, and then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their life. for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning for allowing us to come and worship. Thank you for giving us the opportunity, the ability to be upright. May we take seriously the opportunities that are put in front of us. May we look at our life as a journey that you have mapped out. Recognizing we're not just wandering through this world. There is a plan and a purpose. Lord, help us to see that, even when it's tough to see. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may run if you're a kid. Yeah, that's what we like. If you're a parent and you don't like me, well, that's okay. For kids mm-hmm. running, oh. you don't have to. Couple a uh, couple prayer requests that I I totally just blanked on when we were at prayer and praise time. Um, I'd like to ask, I'd ask that you keep Dave and Willa uh, Williams in prayer. They have their place where they're staying uh, has bacterial pneumonia that they think came through the air conditioning. Don't know how that works. I don't really know, but they're all on quarantine. So if you'd keep Dave and Willa and the group of people that live in that building uh, in prayer. And uh, also Brian Brown, I'd ask that you'd keep Brian's uh, family in prayer. Uh, his mom passed uh, yesterday, or uh, Friday. So um, keep him in prayer this week as well. Thank you. A um, couple things. Uh, so we made it to chapter 4. And if you didn't catch on or you didn't see, chapter 1 was Really, about the queen and the king, right? And then, chapter two, we, we enter Mordecai and Esther and kind of get a little bit of their backstory, what's going on. And, and then um, it's kind of setting the stage. And then, last week, we, we uh, added Haman, right? The bad guy. Uh, Q, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Q, suspenseful music, right? And now we're starting to put things together. So we've created the first three chapters. We've put the pieces together uh, to see what's going to happen uh, in the book or the adventure of the Jews uh, in Persia. And so again this week, um, this is like uh, probably if you know any verses in Esther, you know this one, right, for such a time as this. And we and we got us if you didn't catch that Mordecai says that to Esther um, maybe you have been cre- being created maybe you have been born for such a time as this and I wonder how often we go through life or how many of us go through life wondering why we were created we, we don't always say it out loud that's not really comfortable to talk about but why am I alive? Why am I breathing? Why has God put me on this earth? Why is, I hear it most often in these moments. Someone's in a bad accident and they walk away unscathed or someone uh, gets banged up but lives. Those kind of those moments in our life uh, take us to that spot where we ask ourselves, why am I alive? Why am I here? Why has God decided to spare me? It's in those moments that we, we ask those questions, right? Those moments uh, maybe when things aren't going well, you know, that Blessed Be the Name. I don't know, uh, that's an older song, and I don't know about you guys, but that's a really tough song for me. Uh, it's, it's tough to keep it together for that song um, because it's easy to understand Blessed Be the Name when everything is great, right? I can, I can praise God when the world is uh, doing well and things are going well, uh, But that song was played a day after a a tragic uh, trip we took some uh, 12 years ago. And that song was played in a sanctuary in, in Oklahoma. And I'll be honest with you, that's not an easy song for me to hear. Because there's a very real sense of when things are taken away. And hearing that song takes me back to Oklahoma. Not that I want to be there. And I'd love to tell you that I'm over it. But I'm not. It still hurts. I'll spare you the details. There were some who were in this sanctuary who were with us. And I'm sure lots know. The reality was this. It was a whole lot harder To hear, I love that song before Oklahoma. I still love the song, but I love it in a different way. Because before Oklahoma, we could sing that with joy Blessed be the name. But after Oklahoma, it took on this new persona, this new sense of understanding the. He gives and takes away. I'm sure you're the same way. You love the give, but it's a whole lot harder to have it taken away. It's a whole lot harder to answer the questions about what God's doing and where His providence is and how He's working when things in life are taken away. It's sometimes a whole lot harder to see God's providence in our life through the lens of things being taken away. Let's not forget what God's providence is. It's His constant care for us. His absolute rule over all His creation for His own glory and for the good of His people. I can tell you that the situation in Oklahoma, I have a hard time finding good In that situation. But I know our God is good. I know our God has worked good through that. And He continues to work good through the difficult pieces of our life. Mm, Did we sing that too, Ken? Okay. I don't remember that. Today's passage. We're putting all the pieces together. We got the king and the queen, and we got Mordecai, and we got Esther, the queen Esther, and uh, we got Haman, and we got this situation where Haman has had enough, right? And he's he's going to take out all the Jews, and he writes an edict. And and you know we see rules today, and we see like speed limit rules, right? And we break the speed limit, and what happens? We we get a ticket, or if we go fast enough, we might lose our license. But no one one gets uh, uh, impaled in the center of the city for driving too fast, right? And so so we don't get a real good grasp and understanding of what this edict was. This edict was the extermination of a people. Might give us a better sense if we thought about what Hitler did, right? Uh, that that's kind of the understanding. There was an edict that says we're going to take out anybody that's not blonde hair and blue-eyed. That's kind of what was going on there. This and this was no joke. Like, oh, we're going to try try do no. They were going to do this. It was going to be uh, in a lot of ways mass murder. Right. There was going to be this very serious moment, and it wasn't like you could just run away to another city because all of the cities, all of the places. 127 provinces of Xerxes had... They all knew that, and it says in their own language, in their own tongue. They understood what was going to happen. Anyone of Jewish descent would lose their life. We don't grasp that, right? We live in a place where we're pretty accepting of people of different colors and different orientations and all those different things, maybe someone too accepting, but the reality is we, it's pretty wide open in America today. But it's not that way in every, every place in the world. Do you realize that there are other countries where, um, where people go in and hack up other people of different uh, uh, people groups? That happens today that hasn't gone away. People will go in and they will take over a city, but they don't have guns so they they, they take their machetes. This still happens today. It's still out there and a part of us. We, we're, we're really numb to it. I think that's part of the struggle of this. This book and the passages. We're really numb to the idea that people go around and do this. We see in the Old Testament where they would take out a whole people group, right? God told uh, Saul to take out uh, Agag and all his people. Remember that? That was last week. And he, uh, Haman the Agagite. Uh, God's plan was for those people to be extinguished. To not be there. That happens. We don't see it much around where we're at. We don't watch the news. Uh, I'm sure there are news outlets where where you'd find that. But The point of all that is this. Mordecai is in deep distress. Mordecai is in deep distress over what's about to happen. He understands that his life is on the line. It says in uh, verse two when he, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, the edict he tore his clothes and put on his sackcloth and ashes, and went into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. Do you know why he did that that was a that was a sign of mourning, a sign of mourning. They would also sometimes shave their heads. It was a sign of his mourning over the impending doom of what was going to happen. Mordecai understood. And in that process, God was providing a way out. I think all too often when things aren't going well in our life, when things are going what feels backwards or upside down, when we get a diagnosis that isn't good, when when our tires go flat on our car, when we... When we hear of all these things that happen um, and we're starting to have troubles and struggles and problems, we're we're quick to say, God, where are you, right? That's what what Amy was talking about in the movie, Mordecai's crying out, God, where are you in this? And it's all too often that that happens to us. We cry out to God, God, where are you in this mess? Have you forsaken me? Have you turned your back? it's easy for us to go there because it feels like God isn't with us or that there can never be anything good come out of it. And I'm willing to bet that each one of us have had those moments in our life where we feel like God has turned away from us, that our life circumstances are so bad, so dark, so hard, that we're never going to turn around the struggles of our life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's the next line? I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Good job. Kenny, Kenny learned his, his verses early, huh, Ken? <laughs> it's, it's still a good one, right? Yeah, <laughs> Psalm 23, right? The reality is this. And I've come to recognize it. There will always be problems, struggles, and trials as a part of our journey in life. It's just the way it is. Our main man, Paul, you know, the most prolific writer, God's guy, right? In God's guy to the Gentiles, he wrote what they they figure he wrote fourteen of the New Testament books. Um, In 2 Corinthians, he says this. For Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. Anybody can say, I delight in weakness and insults and hardship and persecution and difficulties. Anybody up for that? Yeah, right, yeah. (laughs) Those are awesome, yeah. Sign me up for that one. I delight in them. Not Paul doesn't say not for my sake, but for Christ's sake, right? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you know what that that well, what happens right before this passage? He's talking about the thorn in his side, whatever it is. He's got something going on, right? Could have, some people say it could have been uh, his eyesight going, whatever it was? It doesn't doesn't really tell us what it is. What we understand, though, from Paul is that he understood um, that there were a lot of things in life that didn't go well. He was shipwrecked and beaten and there's a whole laundry list of things that happened to the most prolific writer in the New Testament. Paul says, when, when I am weak, He's the one, God who's, is the one who makes me strong. When I am weak, God is the one who takes care of me. If we flip it around, we quickly figure out that when I think I'm strong, I make God weak. Not weak that God's weak, but a weak part of my life. It's in those hard moments that Mordecai recognizes that God is still with him. He's at the end of his rope. He knows where he's headed. This is not going to go well. Rather than taking that deep distress, those moments in life where we're struggling and and being mad at God and turning our back, maybe... Maybe we need to cry out to God for His deliverance. It's a whole lot easier to blame Him for the way things aren't going. And yet, if we're honest, we need to cry out to Him because in our weakness, He will make us strong. second thing we see is God, God provides uh, in honest reflection. It says, when uh, Hathak told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai sent her a message. Don't think that he, just because you live in the king's house, you're the one Jew that will get out of this. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will be available from the Jews somewhere else but you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. Have you ever taken the time, spent time in God's word, in prayer, in discussion about why you were born in the first place? Do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? That he has put something in your path? someone in your path something in your path to share his love with have you ever thought about why you were born if you go back to genesis we're reminded that we were created in the image of god remember the old the old 70s shirts that says god don't make junk God made me and God don't make junk, right? It's so light and fluffy and uh, a little bit funny, but the reality is I think a lot of people go through this life not knowing why God has created them. Not knowing why God has put them on this earth to breathe air and to move around not knowing why not understanding why not not gaining an understanding from God the purpose that they were created for God created you on purpose for purpose Your story matters your testimony matters It matters. It needs to be shared with others. The, the story of the way God has created you and is working in your life matters to someone else. The only thing you will take to heaven with you, listen closely, the only thing you will take to heaven with you are those who you lead to Christ. Christ. All the stuff you accumulate will burn. It will go in the in the compost pile. It will be out on Mount uh, whatever. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to all end up there. Trust me. The only thing you take to heaven are the souls of those who you shared the gospel with who accepted and come with you. Everything else is garbage. It's going to go in the garbage. Do you know your purpose? Do you know why God has created you? Do you hear what Mordecai is telling Esther? This might be the reason you were born in the first place. This might be the only reason you were born for such a time as this. This may be your moment to shine, to honor God. He doesn't say that's the only thing she's going to do. But what he does say is, listen, this may be the reason. Don't miss it. I think one of the challenges we have is that we, we're we not sure about our purpose, and we, sometimes we just sit back and wait, and we sit back and wait, and we sit back and wait, and pretty soon we're 20, 30, 30. 40 years into our faith and we haven't really lived our faith. If I have learned one thing about faith, it's this, put one foot in front of the other. If God doesn't want you going in that direction, I can promise you from, uh, from life experience, he will close the door. He will put things in front of you, uh, he will make a way for you to understand that that is not the direction he wants you to go. That's what faith is. Stepping another foot in front of the other. And if you don't know, and you don't have this, if you don't know this story, I encourage you to read it. It's in the Old Testament. I don't have where it's at, but uh, Google Balaam's donkey. Right? Google Balaam's donkey. If God, God has a plan and a purpose and a direction... And if he doesn't want you going there, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great story. One of my favorites, right, Steve? It's my favorite. <laughs> my favorite this morning. Read that story. And you'll quickly feel figure out that God will figure out how a way to stop you or turn your direction or show you a different way. Step out. His problem is not people making um bad mistakes from from trying to express their faith. The biggest problem is people who won't step out. They're given an opportunity. There's someone in front of them. There's someone who's saying, my life is a train wreck. My relationships are all messed up. And I don't know what to do about it. And you're standing there thinking, I know a guy. I know a guy. Right? We're given those opportunities. I wonder how often we're given those opportunities and we just become dull. We just become thick. we just like, oh, don't want to offend that person. Don't want to share the gospel with them. I don't want them knowing I'm a Christian. God, I, I believe God puts those, those opportunities in our path on a constant basis. And when we're sensitive to them, we see it all the time. We see those moments, not to be ridiculous, not to be beating them with the Bible, but just to share how God has worked in our life. How he's moving, and he's moving us. And that's what he calls out to. He calls out to us to do. Share with us, with those, our story of God's love in our own life. But here's where it begins. It begins with honest reflection, understanding that I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to go to the guy who understands. I'm going to cry out to God, and I'm going to ask him, why was I created? What is it that you have put in my path? What direction am I going? I can't help but be excited for these graduates, right? I know it's, it's probably some overwhelming to be graduating, but it's also some exciting to see where God will lead the next group. It wasn't so long ago that there was a, uh, you know, a group that was just graduating and now they're grown up and have families and, and we watch the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. It's exciting to me. It's exciting to me to see uh, young people growing up and beginning to spread their wings And for God to use them. But it begins with honest reflection. Reflecting on where God has you. What he wants for you. And where he's headed. And I'm sure of this. He asked you not to take ten big steps. Mother may I. Right? He's asking us to take one step. Put one foot in front. That may mean this morning that we offer our lives to him, that we offer our life, that we're going to take a chance, that we're going to let Jesus into our life and make a change. That may mean that we take a step of, um, of praying with our wife or our husband. That may mean we take time to read every day. And if you want to know my reading plan, it's uh, read a verse, right? I dare you to read a verse a day. I set the bar really low. You know why? Why? Because my God is way bigger. And He will help us to work through one verse a day. You don't need to read six books a day. That's whippedy do. Read one and let it change your life. Finally, God will provide when we seek Him. What does Esther say when she finds out what Mordecai is all worked up about? She says, gather, gather, all the Jews who are in Susa, everybody in our city, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do too. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. Do you understand that it wasn't a husband? When we hear king and queen, we think there's this husband-wife relationship. Right, we get this sense that oh, obviously they tied the knot and they got rings and they they hang out together and they drink coffee in the morning side by side in their loungers and it wasn't that, right? That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is what got rid of the last queen exactly. Esther says, "I haven't even been called in in a in a month. I haven't even seen the king in a month," which speaks to. Uh, How many other women were involved in this guy's life as well, right? Pretty messed up uh, situation. But, and I know the law, she says, I know the law. I know what's going to happen. I know what can happen. If he doesn't extend the gold scepter, right? Just so you know, he could have done that to Vashti, right? He could have extended the gold scepter and and she'd have been okay. But um, that was a bad situation and Esther knew what happened there. And my sense is that Esther was kind of concerned about what might happen if she broke the rules. And so she says, pray and fast. Pray and fast for three days and three nights. Do you know what the magic of prayer and fasting is? It's pray fast and put pixie dust on it, right? No. It's the focus, right? When we don't eat for three days, what happens? We get hungry, right? And our stomach starts to growl and it makes funny sounds and we're like... Right? And when we stop to pray, what happens? We get a chance to focus on God. This is an opportunity. And what Esther's saying, let's, let's take the time to get rid of all the things on the outside and cry out to God. Fasting is a great way to help us focus. Why? Because it takes about four or five hours, and our, our stomachs start talking. About 12 hours in, they're really talking, right? We used to do a 30-hour famine. <laughs> our youth, The youth group here used to do a 30-hour famine. and The kids thought it was the best thing ever. You know why? Because when we got to the thir- end of 30 hours, we would make pancakes, and we would make We would make as many pancakes as kids could eat. (laughs) They love that idea. Maybe not for all the right reasons, but they love the idea. The discipline of fasting. It's not something we talk a lot about or, or that we do. Its value is in this that we put away the things of this world, that we push back the things that cloud our minds. We move away from the things that keep us busy and we focus on God. Matthew says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Seek first the kingdom of God. When there's a problem, and this is what Esther's doing, she's recognizing that God will provide in the midst of her seeking Him, of her people seeking Him, of her people crying out. Seek God first. All too often, we expect God to provide, and when He doesn't provide, it's an afterthought. Oh, God didn't provide. Now I need it. Oh, let me pray. When when life's in a in a tangled mess, that's when we pray. What he's saying is seek God first. Start there. If you're willing to start there, you know what happens. He will provide what you need. Mind you, I didn't say what you want what you need. Seek God first. Our relationship with Him begins with a heart change. It begins with a heart change to seek God first. It's not about what we put in the offering plate or how much time we spend in ministry. I, 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 those are good things. But that is not what God is after. He's after your heart. He wants what, uh, what's inside of you. He wants your attention. He wants a connection, a friendship, a relationship. It's not about how much we put in uh, the mission offering this morning. Those are good things, but that's not what he wants. He wants our heart. Esther recognized very quickly that we need to come at this from the right angle. Let's do the right things first. Let's fast and pray for three days and then I will do what I have said I would do. And if I perish, I perish. Let's make plans. Let's make preparation. Let's do what we know to do. And let's watch God work. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to see God? See, I think all too often we're not ready to see God work. We come to church. We say we're we're sold out believers, but we're not really ready to see God work. We're half afraid to ask. We almost look for excuses when He doesn't in our minds. Says, seek Him first. Cry out to Him first. Let him do the work. Step back and watch God move. If there's one thing that you'll see in Scripture over and over and over, is that when God's people back off and let God work, he works. It's not always exactly how we see it. It doesn't always turn out perfectly like in our minds. But remember, it's God's provision. He provides a way. Next week we'll see what happens when Esther goes to the king. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Esther's uh, faith, Lord, to step in, step up, uh, as you had called her to. Lord, I ask uh, this morning for anyone who hasn't made a a relationship with you, the most important thing. Lord, I ask that you would challenge their hearts this morning, soften them, encourage them. Lord, for those who need to lay something at the altar this morning, I pray for them. That, Lord, you would hold them tight. That they would go to you first and lay their burdens down at your feet. Lord, we thank you for Esther and the story and this and your word this morning. In your name, we pray. Amen.